You're listening to Tap Into Tax, PwC's podcast series covering current regulatory, legislative, and technology hot topics through the lens of our tax technical leaders, as well as process and technology subject matter specialists. This podcast features discussions with some of our leading minds around tax, trade, and domestic and global policy. Stay tuned to our regular updates and subscribe to our series to get notified as new episodes are published. Hey, Margie, I'm really looking forward to the discussion that we're going to have today around remote workforce transformation and how that looks for tax. I know I can relate. I'm working in a different location than I typically worked, and I know my team is spread out all over the United States, so I'm interested to hear what she has to say. I am too, because I think there are a lot of strategies or considerations or planning that have really changed because of where workforce is located. So let's talk tax. Welcome, listeners. This is Margie Dungeshaw. I'm PwC's U.S. Tax Reporting and Strategy Leader, and today I'm joined by Julie Allen. PwC's National Tax Services Market Leader. We're also joined by Kathy McDermott, a partner in our people and organization practice to discuss remote or dislocated work transformation and how tax plays a critical role with this issue. So to set the stage, our recent remote workforce survey showed that, first, most employees are currently working remotely. I myself am one of those. And that might result in the employee working in a different work location than they were before the pandemic. Also, 50% of executives anticipate an increase in remote work due to longer lasting requirements for social distancing or growth in their workforce. And next, a majority of office workers would like options to work remotely at least one day a week. And more than half of executives expect to offer that option. So Kathy, you work with many of our Fortune 50 clients right now. What are the trends you're seeing at these companies? Thanks, Margie. And this is such an interesting issue for all of us personally, because you mentioned, Margie, you're working obviously remotely as am I. And if I just reflect back for a moment, when the pandemic hit us in New York in March, and we all said, or I'm going to go work from home for a couple of weeks, it was pretty clear that we would be working from home for a longer period of time. And that's cascaded down through our clients. And initially, when people decided they needed to work from home or were asked to work from home, most people went to their primary home. What we're seeing, though, is that people are making decisions to support the health of their family, to support their health also to be in environments that are easier for children to have remote school. So what that's leading is individuals making individual decisions about where it's best for them to work remotely. So we have executives that at our clients that are working in their primary home. We have individuals that have decided to work in vacation homes. We have executives that have decided that it's in their best interest to be with their extended family for their security. So it's a myriad of what people are doing. And we're sort of in this COVID environment, right, so to speak, about people making decisions, being supported by their employers to do what's best to manage their health and safety. But what that's doing is it's driving people to be performing services in a work location that is not their assigned work location. All of the downstream effects of that, of what work are they doing, where are they doing it, what impact does that have on the company's obligation to withhold and report, as well as issues around gee, what is that person doing in that work location? Is it creating nexus for the organization from a state perspective? Is it creating a permanent establishment in that country where they may choose to provide services? 
And to some extent, Margie, we have this sort of COVID umbrella. Many governments have issued relief around this. So for example, the U.S. has provided guidance that says that if you're quote unquote stuck in the United States during 2020 due to COVID, that 60 days of presence will be exempted for purposes of determining whether or not that person is a resident of the United States. And we see that throughout from a global perspective, because this is very much a global issue. We see that from a state perspective as well, where the jurisdictions, the taxing authorities are providing exceptions. We're in this sort of COVID umbrella, as I said, but we will get to a point where organizations, as you mentioned, Margie, there's a, a large percentage of executives that want to support remote working on a longer term basis. Those organizations are going to have to think about what does that mean and how do you drive policies to support those individual and company decisions. And Kathy, you raise an important point because there are a lot of moving parts here. There's the employee part, there's safety, then there's the implications to the business part, and then the tax layer on top of all of it. So it's an incredibly challenging task right now. So how are you seeing tax directors responding? What questions are they asking about how they're helping their organization manage that risk? Yeah, it's a great question, Margie. And we are seeing this from a return to work strategy. So organizations are deciding what roles in the future need to be in an office, which roles in the future can be permanently remote. And then there's a hybrid of roles that need to be partly in the office or partly remote. I do think we're hitting an interesting inflection point about as as different jurisdictions around the world are sort of coming out of this fog of COVID-19 and companies have realized that remote working has actually worked quite well. The technology is supporting people's decisions to work in different environments. That companies will be shifting from our workforce has had to work remotely to our workforce can work remotely or my workforce wants to work remotely. So we're seeing tax directors really get a seat at the table around the return to work strategy and making sure that the organizations are thinking about things such as what does this mean in terms of what guardrails do we need to put in place around activities that people should be performing? So as an example, one executive I'm working with very much wants to return to his home country for a period of time, let's say four months. That's where he feels comfortable dealing with this situation. And he's in a role that we would say potentially could create a permanent establishment. And is that four months enough to create a permanent establishment issue? But companies are thinking, well, this four months could go into a longer period of time. And what guardrails or what activities do we want to provide guidance around? Or you can do this activity, but not that activity. And how does that play in today's world of you're working remotely because to a future world, I'm working remotely because I can. So definitely having tax at the table. We've had a variety of calls with tax directors around executives that have said, I've moved to Florida. Right. So we think about it from a multi-state perspective where individual executives have made decisions that they've moved to Florida and therefore they would like Florida to be their work location. Well, their work location may be, I don't know, let's say New York. And in that environment, we see that a state like New York is still expecting withholding as a work location in New York. Individuals have to make their individual decisions about what they feel free that they can do on their income tax return should they choose to file that way. But tax directors are sort of potentially caught in the midst of wanting to address individual requests, but then also protecting the risk to the organization. 
So Kathy and Margie, let's pause on those few points that you've made. Really great points. The first one, focusing on safety of not only the individual, but the individual and them caring for their family, filling talent gaps, policy changes that are going into place in this current environment and that will continue in our new normal environment, right? Let's pause on those for a minute. You both hit on tax and the importance of the tax director and what they're seeing. So let's take that further and really focus more specifically on tax and HR functions. How are they responding as companies address a remote workforce? Yeah, it's a great question, Julie. And I would say what we're starting to see is tax and HR working more holistically together. So if I went back, rewound six weeks ago, I would have said HR functions were more focused on the safety of employees and were more focused on making sure that people felt comfortable about where they were working and from a health perspective. And what we're seeing now is tax and HR working collectively. So when we think about what decisions executives are making and what decisions that tax needs to think about at the table, the one piece of advice I provide tax directors when we have these conversations is make sure that you have a seat at the table on the return to work strategy. So as the companies are making decisions about which roles will be invited back to the office, which roles can be permanently remote and which roles are the hybrid, how is tax able to provide guidance about the impact that those decisions will have on some of the points that we mentioned, Julie. So again, if you're allowing certain individuals to work remotely, are they creating nexus in a state? Is there a requirement to withhold state income tax, unemployment insurance, disability insurance, all of the employment tax obligations that are required? If they choose to work in a country outside of their work location, is there a social security obligation? Is there an immigration requirement for them to provide a service in that country? And are you creating a permanent establishment and or potentially having to review transfer pricing obligations? And Kathy, I'm seeing similar challenges at all of my clients as well. Tax functions are evaluating the lessons learned as they did this pivot to work remotely. And they're also handling, I'll call it a bunch of ad hoc questions of Everyone wants their employees to feel safe and feel comfortable where they're working. So they're responding to, can we allow this? What happens if we allow that? So there are some challenges as tax departments are having to respond to all of those questions. So importantly, what I'm finding a lot of tax departments challenged by is quickly being able to model out the implications of do we allow this executive to work here? And for how long can they work here? What happens to our state apportionment when we've got all these employees working in different places than they were working before? What happens to our transfer pricing? Is there a beat implication once those charges are recalculated? So those challenges are really driving a lot of extra work in the tax department right now. And they're having to lean in on lots of modeling what-if scenarios so that they can be supporting the business as HR and the business are making decisions. So they're making those decisions fully informed and there are no surprises on the back end. One example that I saw a client struggle with was retaining a workforce retention credit and it required a certain amount of workforce in a certain location for a certain period of time. And now that that workforce has moved, the company needed to quickly assess if they would be able to continue to avail themselves of some of the previously obtained benefits. Julie, what are you seeing? Similar to what both of you are saying, I will tell you in a deal setting, which is my frame of reference, right? What I'm seeing is that these PE implications, these state 
nexus implications, these substance implications from having workforce work remotely or in different places, that it's a real issue. It's an issue not only when you're doing a deal and trying to review, do companies have their transfer pricing and their state nexus and their different allocations correct? It's a real issue there. It's also a real issue with just making sure that the tax department is functioning efficiently. Communication is a huge issue, internal and external, when everybody is working remote. And so companies who have really embraced and are doing this well, they're able to efficiently do tax planning, efficiently have tax meetings, and just work in this environment as if nothing ever happened. But others who weren't quite ready to adapt to that, they're seeing some trickle-on effects that are hard to make sure they're having the communication and the cohesiveness of their groups working together. I will tell you, there's just another side benefit. There are many things that are learned from what we call the cooler conversations, right? When we're standing there and having time to speak with each other and do that informal learning and the informal brainstorming. There's a lot of good that comes from that. And so I think tax departments are having to pivot and do fill these knowledge gaps or fill the learning in different ways. And so it's having a huge impact with respect to how companies are using technology to teach their employees and to integrate them. I will say one last point that I'm seeing where this really matters is not just with respect to a company itself, but it's with respect to its entire supply chain. Companies who before, who were more worried about how they fit in that supply chain, they now have taken on this stewardship role. Margie, you mentioned the benefits, the credits. They're not only making sure that they're aware of all the benefits and the credits and the inducement programs that are available, but they're making sure that everybody in their supply chain is aware of that so that they're having a very tax-efficient supply chain and that where they're doing their operations, they're doing them in tax-efficient jurisdictions. So all of that really matters right now. And being a good steward in that supply chain makes a huge difference and is really important. So that's where I'm really seeing the tax function play a critical role more than before is, yes, it's with respect to the normal tax credits and functions that you would see, but it's even broader. It's supply chain, it's knowledge gaps, it's learning and technology, and it's how does all of that integrate to make an efficient spot for the company or an efficient plan for the company. And Kathy, I think it just comes back to your point is it's very important for tax directors to have that seat at the table because tax can drive a lot of the benefits that really can help pay for some of these other things that we're talking about. So Kathy, as we're thinking about this, when we've got tax professionals focused on cost savings, appropriate compliance, appropriate reporting. There are a lot of moving parts here. And a lot of these moving parts are happening outside of the tax department. So what are your top three suggested actions for tax functions to consider with respect to these remote workforce transformations? Yeah, it's a great question, Margie. And I feel for tax directors, right? Because HR is really looking to support the return to work strategy. And some of the conversations I've had with the tax directors, they sometimes feel like bad cop, right? Because it may be a situation where people do need to return to an office to avoid creating a tax issue. And I would say to some extent, we're in a bit of a wait and see mode when I've had tax directors contact me to say, should I change withholding? As I mentioned earlier, somebody's moved to Florida, they want to shut off New York withholding. We basically, our advice has been, we are in a wait and see mode. As we see the spikes come around, at least from a U.S. perspective, 
we're starting to see people shift their decisions about where they choose to work. So to answer your question, I would say number one is definitely for techs to have a seat at the table early in the process or techs directors plugged in to the different teams that are working on the realignment and that strategy of returning to work. Also, what is the future of work? We hear people talk about the future of flexibility and are we going to become a more nimble workforce as people make decisions? I said earlier, there are roles that will be required to be in the office. There'll be roles that are permanently remote, but how are we going to handle sort of that hybrid? If the expectation is for people to come to the office maybe one or two days a week, what are the requirements of where they work on those other days and how does tax support that in terms of all the things that we talked about. And I would say the last point is going back to this concept of guardrails. What guidance can tax be giving the HR community, their buyers, their businesses around where can they play in the sandbox to the extent that there are groups of individuals that choose to work in other places? I know PwC takes a hard stand on this with people who choose to might may want to work in another country outside of their work location due to PE issues. So We're sensitive to it. Our organizations are sensitive to it and ensuring that tax directors have a voice and a seat at the table and are really part of the solution. Thanks, Kathy. This has been very impactful because I think a lot of the things that you've highlighted throughout this session and that Margie and I have been able to add into are really important. The importance of being compliant with the guidance, the importance of caring for employees and the safety of the employees, the importance of thinking through tax issues like the PE, Nexus, substance, all of those issues, and then winding it up in your last few points of making sure that tax has a seat at the table early in that process, that they're supporting decision makers, and that we really have guardrails on that communication. I think all of these are really key considerations that we can take away in looking at the remote workforce and returning to work and that returning to work strategy. So thank you so much for joining us today and really giving us insight in this area. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Margie. Thanks, Julie. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. For our non-audit and unrestricted clients, the advisory services and assistance described range across a comprehensive, multidisciplinary, and multi-competencies platform. For our audit clients, our podcast can be used to provide helpful insights and thought leadership, and under appropriate circumstances, elements of a solution. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity please see www.pwc.com slash structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.